looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Pop culture, social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwoskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Jay. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 96 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show. As always, I am your host, Jeff Duoskin. Great to be back for another amazing week of podcast goodness that I am so excited to share with you. This week's episode is with comedian Tammy Pescatelli. That's right, back-to-back comedian episodes last week, the amazing Rocky Laporte. And of course, we kicked off the year with founding editor of The Onion, Scott Dickers. So much comedy. Woof. That's just a lot of comedy right at you, right at the beginning of the year. Hope you're taking it okay. Hope you're enjoying it. But I am so excited to share my conversation with Tammy Pescatelli with you. Tammy and I worked together not too long ago at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. We became instant buds, and she's here. We talk about so much. We talk about Last Comic Standing, getting canceled, her Way Back After School special, her cult classic horror movie, Beauty Queen Butcher, heading back to the movies for the first time since the pandemic. Some really good Spider-Man talk coming up. So hopefully you've seen the movie. Otherwise, a couple spoilers, but I think it's been enough time. Anyway, that's all coming up. So much. Jeff, how did you fit it all in? I don't know. Editing. But it's all coming at you in just a few minutes. Speaking of just a few minutes, it only takes a second to reach out to us on social media. Tweet at us at Jeff Dwoskin Show on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Here's a note from Matthew in Kansas. He says, Jeff, thank you so much for those Thursday bonus episodes of the podcast. I love the crossing the stream snippets. I'm always sitting around wondering what to watch. And now I don't have to wonder anymore. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So all of you out there eating sliced bread right now going, "Mm, this is the best thing ever. I challenge you to make sure you're listening to our Thursday episodes of the podcast where we pull from our live episodes of Crossing the Streams, which are live every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. You can join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, chat along with us as we unveil more and more TV shows you should be binging and watching. You're always asking yourself, what's on TV? We're here to let you know. And now it's time for the social media tip. All right. This is one of my favorite parts of the show where I share a little bit of my social media knowledge with you. A little 411 I picked up on the street. I've been in the social media game for a while. So I think sharing quick tips that you can then Google and learn more about is a great way for us all to learn more and for all of us to up our game on social media. Today's tip is don't overfollow people on the social medias. So what a lot of people do is they'll follow, 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 follow on Instagram or follow, 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 follow on Twitter. And then if those people don't follow back, eventually you can follow your limit and then people start to unfollow and then grab one of those softwares that unfollow for you. But then if you over unfollow using that, you can lock up your account. Do this, follow people. Yes, great, but don't overfollow. And if people aren't following you back, it's a problem 
with your content, not who you're following. So then just focus on your content a little bit more. Also, when people engage with your content, like or retweet your posts or comment on your posts, follow those people. If you're not already following those, those are the ones that already like what you're doing. And that's the best way to do it. Don't get caught in the trap of trying to raise your numbers by following people who, even if they follow back, may not be interested in what you're doing. And that's it. Simple as that. And that's the social media tip. I do want to thank everyone in advance for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Live from Detroit, the Jeff DeWaskin Show. And that's how we keep the lights on. Today's interview sponsor, Mother Hubbard's Cupboard Mini Mart. Stop on by Mother Hubbard's for any of your Mini Mart needs. But most importantly, Mother Hubbard's guaranteed lowest prices on your favorite carton of cigarettes. If you can find your cigarettes cheaper, Mother Hubbard will refund you the difference. But hey, we're not just about cigarettes. We got dairy, pop, beer, wine, and a wide selection of depressing frozen meals for you to choose from. No matter what you need, Head on over to Mother Hubbard's Cupboard Mini Mart. We've got it all. Don't forget to mention the cigarettes. I mentioned the cigarettes. They have the lowest price on cartons of cigarettes. If you still smoke, come on by the Mother Hubbard's Cupboard Mini Mart today. So check out Mother Hubbard's. Thanks for your support of all the sponsors of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin Show. Much appreciated. Now it's time to share my conversation with you that I had with comedian Tammy Pascatelli. You're going to love it. We go deep into Last Comic Standing, her own brush with being canceled, her first time on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and so much more. Enjoy. All right, everyone. Excited to introduce you to my next guest, actress, comedian, verbal assassin, the super funny Tammy Pescatelli. Hey. Hey. That sounds so weird now when like someone says that to me, but I thought it was such an amazing title for a new album. It's a great title. It's right on your website. I got it right off your website. Yeah. Well, it's going to be the new the new special and it's going to say, I actually added to it, it's Tammy the Bull, Verbal Assassin. <laughs> I like that. So, Tammy, you're an awesome comedian. We met, it seems like so long ago because of COVID, but it was March 2018. I had the pleasure wow. of opening for you at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Super fun weekend. Great weekend, yeah. A lot of fun. So... Thank you for coming on my show. Thanks for slumming it on my podcast with me. No, I adore you. <laughs> and I love playing all those hashtag roundups. And I love your wife. And it's so much fun. We had a great weekend. We became lifelong friends in like five shows. I know, right? It's so fun. It's so cool. When are you coming back to Michigan? Well, you know, that's what people like. It's funny because uh, Mark Ridley, who is an amazing guy and has a phenomenal club, books the entire year on one day. And I never seem to know what that day is. I always call like three days later or two days before. So I don't know. And there are other places in Michigan I could play, but for some reason I haven't played them for years. So I, I don't, I need to come to Michigan. I need to find just a small little theater or another comedy club, something. So basically, I don't know, Jeff. When I first started doing comedy, I'm going back like 18 years and it was like open mics. Mark Ridley only booked... He may have booked the headliners in advance, but the features and the MCs, it was like a whole 
thing. You would call in on like Friday or it was whatever. And then on Tuesday, you would know if you got on the Tuesday open mic or the Wednesday, or if you could work Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. That's how they do it in LA at like the comedy store or, you know, you, you call your veils in on Monday and they tell you uh, on Tuesday. Right. So at some point he got I think more efficient. And then again, he books MCs and features the same time. I think it's like September every year for the entire year. But if you look at like my calendar, like that first couple of years, I worked with so many cool headliners because I would just work week after week and it would just be like a day here, a day there, a day there. So was- that was me. And, but I was doing the same thing. Let's see, you're 18 years. So I'll be, it's 25 years. So I, I was doing it seven years before you at the Cleveland Improv where I was like the house MC, and I would bid for like, this comic or that comic, or she would always put me, the booker, a woman named Sarah Nye, would always put me with the very ethnic crowds. So George Lopez, Guy Tory, Joe Tory, DL, ones that would be really tough for anybody, especially a young woman, but she knew that I could handle them. And I think that's what made me a better comic. Yeah, absolutely. Just getting out there and, and like in the fire. That's, that's the only way to do it. It was, it was nice because when I started out, just like you said they do at other places, there were so many more rapid opportunities that you could fight for week after week. Well, they were Tuesday through, when I started, maybe they were Wednesday for you, but they were Tuesday through Sunday, the clubs were, and there were three shows on Saturday. So it was a full week of work. You really, when you worked, even though the money is ridiculous, it was horrible. I think I worked 40 weeks and made $7,000 my first year. But you had a million shows. Like you literally did 12 shows in one week. Right, right, right. We had, the way Ridley's worked, it was Wednesday was open mic. Tuesday was an improv troupe and best of open mic. So once you did Wednesday open mic, then you emceed Wednesday, you could... Then get Tuesday. That was a big deal because you got 10 minutes instead of seven. Sure. And then you could start to get like a Thursday, Friday or a Saturday. That was early on. It was really a lot of fun. But now it's like now I'm like sitting here going like I have two two gigs <laughs> next year. Uh, it's it's <laughs> tough. Like I have a lot of gigs, but not a lot of ticket sales. And that's that's scary. It's scary, quite frankly, for me at this stage of the game, because I was you know, we talked a little bit off air, but you saw 2018, 19, up until March 17th of 2020, I was crushing. I mean, I was so excited. I, I was really blessed to be selling out shows all the time. And I made a mistake in 2020. I had a huge year planned. I mean, look, everybody did. <laughs> right. But I had a, an hour special that came out. I was part of an hour special on Showtime. I was the host of like 10 episodes of this new show called Stand Up. Uh, what's it called? Stand Up Live from Zanies. Oh, the, Stand the Up National, National one? Live the from National Zanies. Okay. I was the lead in a movie all before March. So I was like, this is going to be a huge year. I was getting a stand, um, an unmasked from Bennington on Sirius. It was so great. Today show, tonight show, like all this good stuff was happening. And then I lost 238 days in an afternoon. And most of those were theaters. So when we came back, I had to honor those theater dates. Theaters don't advertise the way comedy clubs do. Theaters aren't the first place that people are thinking of going. Sometimes the comedy clubs now is the place to be, but they're not necessarily thinking of in theaters. So I'm having a really rough time. It'll come back. I I feel like I just went to the movies for the first time. And that was me too. That was still weird. And like I sat next to a guy 
And I was like, I put my mask on because I'm like, I don't know this guy. I wear masks because I don't trust the other people. You know what I mean? Right. And right. And so I said to my wife, I go, if we go back to the movies, I'm buying the seats on the left and the right of us. <laughs> I don't. And you're, she's like, no, you're not. She's like, no, um, I'm like for 24 bucks. Yeah, I am. I- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. We did a family thing where my husband and my son went with, he has two best friends that are twins and we're good friends with the parents. So we went with the four of them to see Spider-Man in No Way Home on Friday night. Like I got off a plane, rushed home. Um, I was real lucky at a corporate all week long. So I rushed home and we went to see it. And like, I finally sit down in the theater. It's packed and we're enjoying it. It's weird, but, and then this guy coughs like a killer whale, just a and I was like, oh no. And like the guy next to me goes, oh my God. It was just like, we're all going to die to see Spider-Man, but it was worth it. I think it's because like, I don't know about you, like I'll be sitting there and like you're trying not to cough because you don't want to do that because you know it'll trigger things. And then like a little saliva goes down my throat and I like try and go, and then I do it wrong. So it goes down wrong. And then next thing you know, I'm like hacking and nobody knows it's just because I swallowed like an idiot. Right. But this... Let me tell you something. That's how I feel. Like something went down the wrong pipe, the pipe, uh, the wrong pipe, the wrong pipe on the plane. And I was choking and I was like, "Ah, I'm choking. I'm not dying. But this guy had that, you know, that. And it was like, oh, God, everybody in the place knew everybody in the place. And of course, he was behind us. I was like spraying sanitizer in the air. (laughs) That's why I was like. I was a little nervous with the guy next to me, but then I'm like, he's here by himself. It's likely he probably doesn't go out that much. He probably doesn't see many people. I'm probably okay. Yeah. But, (laughs) you know. Did you go see Spider-Man? Is that what you went to see? Yes. Yes. I think the whole world saw Spider-Man. Without any spoilers, I think it's pretty open that some of the other Spider-Men might be involved, right? Spider-Man, it sounds like I'm (laughs) at a deli. The Spider-Man. Right? Right, right, that's right. open. I'm not. I, that's not a spoiler. I think it's it's funny because the the entire internet. I've been putting giving this a lot of thought lately. Too much thought. The entire internet sits there and nitpicks every second of the pre trailers, everything to discover what they believe the entire movie is. And then the second uh-huh. the movie comes out, everyone's like, "Don't spoil it." I'm like, "Don't spoil it." <laughs> I just spent three months. If I had just gone in with no even idea. That it was even possible that other yeah, people, no, there's no way. other you can't Spider-Man do it anymore. could have been in this movie. I would have been blown away. I guess I can say that. By the time this airs, Toby Maguire may, be fine. Yeah. you know, he's somewhere in there. No plot points. But let me tell you this. I did my very first Tonight Show with Toby Maguire. And he was the hot Spider-Man at the time, right? And he was everything to my nephews who, who were five, four and five years old. And every time they would act up, I would say, I know Spider-Man and I'm going to tell him on you. And they were like, you don't know him. You don't know him. And finally, one time he, they were at my house and I was watching him. And I put in, this is how long, I put in the tape of me sitting next to Peter Parker in their estimation. And they went crazy and they were so good for me. And it was like such a chip, <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, now my son is 13 and I can't use that anymore. <laughs> Well, then let's, you sat right next to him. How good did he look for the amount of time? Oh, I mean, it's like... He looked amazing. Yeah, he looked amazing. He looks better now than he did when he was young. Yeah, he looks... It's it's unbelievable. All of them did. William Dafoe, the Doc Ock guy, I think they de-aged him a little bit, but he was great. All of them. It was just... 
Uh, I think Jamie uh, Foxx came back because they're like, we won't make you look like such a dork this time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, listen, I am, you could really tell the different levels. I'm a comic book girl. As I told you, I made $7,000 at first year in comedy. So I went and bought comic books every week from 1994, 95. I've been buying comic books every single week because I knew that they would appreciate in value or at least hold their value. Plus, I loved them. Sure, sure. While my friends were getting stock options and 401k, I didn't have that kind of money, but I had five bucks. You know what I mean? So I'm a huge comic book girl. So you could tell the difference in that movie more than any other Marvel movie who was privy to that Marvel universe. You know what I mean? Like when they saw the outside of the house, do they go, like I went in Dr. Strange's house. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. That movie was pretty epic. I I can't wait to see it again, actually. It was Sometimes it's hard to watch a movie like that the first time because you're like, there's so much to take in. I got to go back and see it again. Same. And I'm very glad that I got to see it at a theater. Although I love these new releases that I could sit at home and watch them. But I'm so glad I got to see that at a theater. It's okay to watch Black Widow at home. It wouldn't have been okay to watch Spider-Man. My only wish was that that third act where they do show up was actually pulled back earlier. I thought it was extra fascinating the way they just were interacting and talking about how the different ways they were Peter Parker and you're going to put a spoiler yeah, alert th- at the top of this. This won't come out till January, so okay, great. So let's talk about it. If they don't put the three of them together in the next film, they're the dumbest human beings on the planet. The dynamic between the three of them was so fascinating, so funny. Andrew Garfield was never better. If he was as, as magnetic as he was in that film, he would still be Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Toby was great, so lovable, and like, I mean, I got all the feels when, you know, Andrew, the thing with Andrew and MJ. Oh, yeah, that was great, his redemption. And, and Andrew kind of, I think, stole it a little bit. I mean, I think, like you said, he was so good in this movie. I think he uh, he may have out Spider-Man the other Spider-Mans, but they were all great in their own way, of course. Yeah, and I love Tom Holland. I hope they don't bring somebody new in because I heard they're talking about bringing like a female or something. I'm really sorry. Just so everybody knows, I'm at my mother's house. <laughs> <laughs> and oh God, please answer. And she has a home phone. I don't even think about shutting off a home phone. I know. I don't, I don't have one. I can't remember last time I had a home phone. Well, you know what's funny? I just did a joke about that. I can't even unplug it. I just did a joke about this in my act because I said, millennials, they don't judge. They don't fat shame. Hold on. They don't slut shame. They don't shame unless you tell them you have a home phone or an AOL account. <laughs> then they're like, oh my God. Then all bets are off. Yeah. I can't even take the battery out. So just forgive me. Here, I'll take her batteries out. There. <laughs> no, it won't ring. It's probably just spam or oh, yeah. Tom Selleck calling to reverse mortgage your house. That's why we got rid of our phone. The only people that called us, it was spam right. calls. It was like, what? It was a weird feeling, though, because it's the same thing with cable. I still haven't gotten rid of cable yet because they keep lowering the price whenever I say I'm going to cut the cord. But these things that we grew up on that were just normal, it's just weird all of a sudden to think you may not have them. I know. And I keep trying to cancel cable. But it's always such a fiasco, like AT&T and DirecTV merged. So they send you over. It canceled my phone, but not my cable. It was insane. (laughs) 
So, all right. So that's really cool that you got. So I watched that first Jay Leno Tonight Show clip. It's on your on your website. Oh yeah, you crushed it. That was a that was an amazing first Tonight Show appearance. Thank you. No, that was my first television. Oh, that was your first television. I had never been on TV until that moment. I wanted to ask you because then you were hilarious in the stand up, but equally hilarious when you went to sit at the couch. Like how much? Thank you. You're welcome. How much of that, that was I'm planned out? Proudest. Yeah. Well, so you do four and a half minutes of stand up, and they tell you Jay's not like Johnny. Johnny's gonna. I mean, Jay's gonna call you to the couch, but it may just be, "Hey, nice job. Catch Tammy at wherever I said." And then, you know, this weekend, and that's it. He may talk to you for a little bit, maybe like a minute or two. So be prepared. I did more time on the couch than I did on stand-up. And it was so funny because I was petrified. I was really scared when I was backstage. They were, I mean, and don't forget, I was 10 years in the industry. So I knew my set was solid, but it also depends on how you deliver it, you know? I was backstage and I was just really scared. And I kept thinking, 2 million people, 5 million people, 10 million people. And they were advertising friends. So the commercial right before I go on, they have a TV showing you what the commercials are going to be airing. And I remember I saw it and I just thought nobody knew them. Nobody knew those people before they got on friends. And I said, what do you got to lose? You don't have to make 10 or 2 or 5 million people laugh. You have to make 200 people in this studio laugh. And you can do that. You've been doing that for a decade now. And I think I just went out there like, okay, you know, I got this. And then when he, I was so happy when it was done. And then I think Toby became my friend after that because I just kept hitting him. And, you know, my friends always laugh at me because I grabbed my mug and set it down on Jay's desk. And I'm like hitting Toby. And I just felt comfortable. Jay's a comic. He makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, you could tell. It was just, you just kind of rolled right with bit after bit. It was, it was, it was just as funny as when you're on stage, maybe even a little more comfortable because you were like, probably just relieved that the other part was over and like, but it was, yeah, it was yeah. Well, to this day, Jay has been such a wonderful person to me. When all of that, all those things I told you happened in 2020, I did a spot on what's called more funny women of a certain age on Showtime. And I thought that set was the best set that I had ever done on anything. It was like a development set. And I know they're not really giving 50-year-old women TV shows anymore, but it was strong. It was solid. I was very proud of it. Not so proud of how I fit in my pants, but I was proud of the set. <laughs> it came out and I know it did well, but nothing. I, I had lost all that, you know, all those dates and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills. It's like the second week of April and I'm depressed as crazy. I mean, like just crazy depressed rather. And, um, my phone rings and it's like, hey, I can't do his voice, but <laughs> hey, Timmy, it's just Jay Leno. How are you? I just want to tell you that was the greatest set I've ever seen. That was, do you just really, he goes, that was one of the best sets. I'll put that up there with anybody's set that I, I see in every comic come on my show. And that seven minutes was great and blah, blah, you know. And I, I thought someone was pranking me. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks, Jay. He goes, have you had any, any hits on it? What's everybody saying? And I'm like, you're the only one. <laughs> such a jerk and uh, i was gonna say well thanks jay you know and i and i hung up and i called my husband like who did you have call me as jay leno like and he's like i didn't have anybody call you as jay leno so then i thought i still thought it was another one of our friends the next day my when i got canceled i went with this one old school agent who was not my agent any longer but a good friend still guy named roger paul he's awesome roger calls me goes hey 
did uh, Jay Leno call you? And I go, was that really Jay Leno? He goes, yeah, he called me for your number. He tracked me down to get my num like my number to tell me that. So then I called him back and I apologized. I said, Jay, I'm very sorry. I thought I was being pranked <laughs> and I did not know. And I thank you. And he said, listen, I will put you on my show as soon as we go back to filming, I know you guys have a... I go, I'm going to work at the mechanics garage. That's what I'm doing. He goes, I'm going to put you on my car show. And he held true with that promise. That's really cool. He is, that is so nice. You know, it's people don't understand like what those little gestures mean to people. I bump into somebody, at, uh, I was we were buying bread the other day, and they're like, oh, uh, your podcast, uh, great job. I love it. I'm like, but you've never... Like, this is a random person, right? And I was just like, yeah. you couldn't like one post? You know what I mean? Like, I no. sure do a lot of them, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just weird. Like, people don't want to let you know. So it's like, it's so special when they do. And it's so great that Jay Leno would go, someone like Jay Leno would go out of his way. That's that's really Yeah, but it, it's, it, it applies to everyone. My father had been very sick. The hospital dropped him, paralyzed, but paralyzed him. And before he passed away, literally the Thursday before he died... He unexpectedly died of a heart attack. But he had written a book like two years before because he was a chaplain. He was a professional football player and he went on to do things like chaplain for sports teams. So he would go in and say a prayer with the team before they would go out. And some CBA and arena football, some college, and some athlete that had gotten a hold of his book found him and called him. And when he called me on that Thursday... You would have, he would have been like he won a million dollars. He was so proud that someone's life had been affected by his words. And I, it's amazing. We're very blessed with that. That's cool. And I'm so sorry about your dad. I remember. Oh, thanks. Yeah. First weekend I went back to work, which is scary about that too, you know, which is a real mental thing because I had to 25 years. My greatest fear had been not being home when I was needed at home even when it was just my parents and my brothers and I. And then here it happened, and I found out after I got off stage and had to drive 624 miles by myself at night to get home, it created this thing. It's amazing. People don't understand what comedians go through. So not only is it COVID, not only am I worried about, like, you know, I have to go to work for money, like COVID be damned. I got to pay for our bills. I'm the person who does that in our family. But now I have this added stigma of, yeah, okay, it did happen. And now I'm going to go again. What if something else happens? So you have to constantly battle those things just to try to make people laugh. So I think that's when I snapped on hecklers. <laughs> that's where verbal assassin came in. Like, this is my job. Shut up. <laughs> you said you got canceled. You quickly said that earlier. Did you? Yeah. Was this the whole Amy Schumer thing or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I lost my agent and my manager, and my friends and dates for telling basically the truth, the fourth person to tell the truth, but they made it like it was some chick cat fight thing. And it wasn't, I was finally exonerated in the public's eyes about four days later when a couple videos came out. I didn't know who put them together. I do now know that person, but it was a hard time. I mean, and to be canceled by your peers, like... I've seen people stick up for sexual predators more than people stuck up for me for just saying, hey, man, we love you. Just do your own material. 
But it, it wasn't just you that came. I mean, it wasn't Kathleen Madigan, Wendy Liebman. There was, there was a lot of people. Yes. There were four people who spoke out before me, I, I, or three. I was the fourth to speak. But I think I was the easiest target because it went from, they let the guy off, and then they said, three female comedians accuse Schumer. Then it went to just me. And I, you know, whoever has the biggest publicist wins. It got all twisted. And then I happened to say, look, I'm sorry I got involved. I should have just kept my mouth shut and talked about it at the back of the room like the rest of the comics do. And the next day it said, Schumer accuser apologizes. Because the biggest public, she had Bono's publicist. And for some reason, they just really wanted to crush me, I guess. So, but I did take it too far. I did make a joke prior to Me Too on Twitter, thinking that I was just trying to be funny, saying, uh, at least Cosby knocked his victims out before he rapes them, <laughs> which oh, I've never told a rape joke. It's not funny in the now, in the now, at the time, 2016, it was still funny. And it's a very comedian joke because they are tools. That's all we have. Those are our babies, our jokes. So... They were like, she's dangerous, and blah, 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 blah. It was a lot of chaos. But then the videos came out, and there were two hours of footage where I was the least aggrieved. Right, yeah, I saw some of those videos. It was um, it, it was definitely, I'm t- yeah, it's funny, I was going to ask you, because I was going to say, oh, but you apologized, but you got to me first. But that's how they twisted it. Yeah, if, I if never you, apologized. If you, if you Google it. I said, it, I'm sorry yeah. that I got involved. Yeah. It, it, did you think I apologized too? Like, well, oh. no, I was going to ask you. I just, because I Googled it and it said that it, the headlines, like you just said, said that you apologized. So I was going to mention it, but you, you beat me to it with the explanation. Yeah, because there was no point to apologize. I'd already lost everything. It, at that point, my agent had dropped me. My manager had dropped me. You know what I mean? What am I apologizing for? Like, you apologize to save yourself. I didn't feel like I had done anything any different than anybody else did. And that really happened. I really was a victim of joke theft from this person. So, and it wasn't personal. I mean, I kept saying, look, it's not personal, but it's really sad that in an industry where there aren't a lot of women, if you say anything, then it becomes a jealousy thing. And jealousy is for people who, for girls who go get glamour shots photos and aren't in a male-dominated industry. I Now the women are different. Even from 2016 to 2021, these girls are girls in this industry. They have a lot of female qualities. Anyone who was a female or or was a comic in my generation, if you were a woman, you had to let that go. I wasn't trying to be a female comic. I was trying to be a comedian. So all that other stuff, jealousy doesn't come into play with that. Do you feel it's kind of, it's all water under the bridge now, just in terms of not impacting you? I hope so. I, you know, I mean, I I only talk about it in the sense of being canceled, like I brought it up with you. You know, I hope so. It wasn't personal. I I don't think she likes me. I'm still blocked on her Twitter or whatever, but she doesn't have to like me. I did everything I could to help her. I let her come open for me for a few different venues. I did everything I could on the way up. So what can I do? Oh, so you you had a relationship with her beyond that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as much as you have when someone calls you and says, hey, my brother lives in Chicago, can I come open for you? And you bring them to the improv and you you work with them for those shows and then you take them to another place, you take them to Nashville. So, yeah. Got it. All right, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, Beauty Queen Butcher. 
<laughs> oh, Lord. So it's the first thing I ever did. And I took a long time in between me doing another film. But I was cast as one of the beauty queens against this mass murderer who kills until she becomes the queen. But the funny part about that movie is it was cute. I only got cast because I was a good sneezer. <laughs> yeah, I, be- I honestly believe you just inhaled pepper see, by see. accident. Yes. But, well, you know where that comes from, by the way, watching uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield and Sam Kennison. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, it's a cult hit all of a sudden. Like, I've been asked to come to ChillerCon, and that got postponed because of COVID. But, like, there's another one, um, the Horror horror Fest or something. Like, oh, that's... it's become, like, the blob of, of horror films. You play Elizabeth McKay. You feel you should have won the beauty contest, but you were... You had an allergic reaction to Phyllis's, who's an overweight woman who was entered into the contest to lose on purpose. And then she, in revenge, goes on a murder spree. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, remember more about it. You I looked it got up. more about I it than it me. Up. I forgot all about it. Oh, I looked it up. And you know, you can watch it for free on Prime Video if you have Prime Video. Yes, thank God for Prime. I try not to make too many jokes about Jeff Bezos, even though I made one today on my, this new little thing I've been doing. But if it wasn't for Bezos, all of my stuff would be gone. My Netflix special is now on Prime. My new hour is on Prime. That's on Prime. The mo- other movies on Prime. If it wasn't for Prime, I wouldn't have a career anymore. Yeah, between Prime and Netflix, they they just it's a showcase for tons and tons of great stand-up. Well, Netflix is done f- for me. Like they were very clear that they aren't interested in someone of my age demographic. Well, screw them. Well, you just got to take a look. All these female comics who who are still working and good. They don't say to the men, but there's like two women that are over 45 on their Netflix comedy list. Shame on you, Netflix, if you're listening. Shame. <laughs> Shame. 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 Let's, I, I do want to talk about your, your special, but let's talk about Last Comic Standing first. Sure. You were on, you were on season two of Last Comic Standing. Yes. The winner, John Heffron and Alonzo Bowden was on that. And you all went on to season three and Alonzo won that one. I only specifically mentioned those two, not because they won, because they were also on the show. So then I can tell people to go listen to those episodes. (laughs) We had an amazing cast. Amazing cast, yeah. Amazing cast, all very funny and established headliners. I was like the least established as I barely had become a headliner at that point. Yeah, just an amazing cast. It's funny. That has disappeared into the atmosphere, except some comedy clubs still try to use it as my credit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the time, it was huge, right? There was like 18 million viewers. You don't get that these days. No, it was huge. We literally, like, I'm still really close with John and Alonzo and Bonnie and Ant. And we often talk about it every once in a while, especially John and I, because here we were just like these Midwesty comics playing all these gigs And we left. So we filmed it like in March. We had to live together. And then it started to air in June. And it caught on like fairly quickly. And by then we were shooting the lives. And I'll, no, maybe we weren't shooting the lives. I don't think so. But all I know is that one day we left town and we're at the airport and no one cared. And by the time we came back, people were asking us for autographs at the airport. It was a crazy, crazy time. That must have been surreal and fun. It's unfortunate that social media didn't exist the way it does now, 
with that kind of exposure. Yeah, because I had 320,000 uh, MySpace followers. <laughs> I, had, I had a huge mailing list. But it wasn't as fun for me watching the reality part of it. I had a, an amazing time living it and actually in the house. So you, it tells you that it's on the edit because... It was very formulaic back then. If you were a woman, you were either goofy, you were a bitch, or you were uh, a whore. I mean, basically, that's what they did. And they made Bonnie the whore, they made Kathleen the weirdo, and they made me the bitch. And like, there were things that were happening. That's not how they played out. There was a situation where we were all joking around. Alonzo and Kathleen were smoking out on the turret because we stayed in an actual castle from the castle from like a... Morris Day and the Time, their album, and nice. subsequently, and we, I guess people have seen it in porns and stuff. But um, they're on the turret. I'm sitting on the bed with John and Aunt. Jay London's in the room with us, and we're, we're just talking about the whole thing. And Alonzo says to me, Tam, well, what would, uh, what would the Godfather do? And I go, I don't know about the Godfather. I go, but Tony Montana wanted his house burned to the ground. He wanted his head, you know, like do that. They cut that to look like I'm just sitting with Aunt saying about Todd. I want his house burnt to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Who would say that over comedy? It was crazy. I went from being super excited, watching it with people at my house, to shutting off the lights and hiding in the dark watching it towards the end. I get it because the reality of those shows is there's still need to have a a narrative and tell a story that they want to tell. Now, these reality shows, especially the early ones, everyone thought it was just the camera on them and it was real. Yeah. And it's not. It's edited to make, you know, like you said, you have different, each woman had her own role. Everybody had their own role. They're casting a show. Yes. And like you could never get people to believe it because there was a scene that they had where Bonnie and I were in a fight. And I will say that they pit us against each other. We were friends going in. And by the time we left, we weren't friends. And it took us a few years to put it together because she had her reality and I had mine. And now we're super close. And you have to own your own part. But there was a part where it was like we were having a little bit back and forth. I went upstairs or whatever. I left. I left. But they cut in a scene from me at day 28. Bonnie had been gone for three weeks when it was our very last day and they didn't have any food. And I'm hypoglycemic. If I don't eat, I'm a mess. Like, you'll never get me back. And all they had was alcohol. So I knew what they were trying to do. And I kept saying, please, I have to take my medicine. I need to eat something. And they were like, we'll get it. We'll get it. And they put me off, put me off. And it was like about four o'clock. And they were like, when we get back from dinner, we'll have your groceries. And it was, everybody was mad. But day 28, I filmed enough to know, don't throw a fit on camera. Go upstairs. Take your mic off. Go get pissed in the dressing room and then get back and be on camera. I did that, but they cut it to look like I was upset with Bonnie and they even wrote the words. They were filming us in the dressing room. So somewhere NBC has naked footage of all of us. Isn't that crazy? Hang on. I'm Googling naked footage. Oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And how about this? When we were, the ratings were so high, they wanted to add some episodes, but it was too late to go back into the house. So instead of being the final five where they had promised us that, they did a loser, whoever lost to come back, and then it was the sensational six or whatever. 
And that's not fair. That's not what they had promised us. So we all, the remaining final five, said, we're not going to do it. This is ridiculous. It's against our contract. This is a game show. And NBC was quite clear to tell us, this is not a game show. This is licensed as a reality show, the producer's reality. And if you don't do this, because I was just going to put my mic down and say, vote for Kathleen. And they said, if you don't do this, we're going to sue you for $50,000 a piece, which none of us had at that point. Well, I should know. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, you could have stopped at (laughs) (laughs) 1500 Oh, that's interesting because, right, if it was a game show, then there's very specific rules that you have to follow. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also lets you know that right then you could call in and vote all you want, but it doesn't matter. The night for me... I don't know if it was that or season three. Season three, I was up against somebody and the whole Midwest went down. So they didn't get to see my set at all. And they still counted all the votes, which clearly they didn't count votes. It's the producer's reality. Who can they sell? Who can they sell uh, tickets to, you know, and advertising for? Right. They got to make their money. Yeah. I mean, listen, they left... In our, and Kathleen will tell you, they left in our dressing room goodbye packages for me, John, Kathleen, and Alonzo. Who doesn't need a goodbye package? The winner. Gary was the only one they didn't create a goodbye package for. They had it, so he was going to win. But once we found out, they, I think they freaked out. So, but thank God, because I, no matter what, I think we all won. Look how great Gary Goldman's doing, selling out huge theaters. You're all doing amazing. It's, it was quite a, I've worked with Kathleen, I think twice, Kathleen Madigan. Hysterical. She's great. It was fun kind of teasing John Heffron that he only won 50,000 and two weeks later, Alonzo won a quarter of a million. (laughs) Right. And then 10 years later, Eliza won a million. Oh, was it a million like that? Uh, I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's an an interesting show. I I wonder if they'll ever bring it back. I was shocked. So I think it's... In a couple, we were going to all do the week that the George Floyd situation happened. I had John, Alonzo, Aunt, and Bonnie. We were all going to do a call together and just talk about that for like a public consumption. And then we obviously pulled it. And I still think that we should because I think that people are interested in it. But I'm shocked that it's not like even on Peacock. Yeah. Why isn't it? Why can't you rewatch this stuff? Probably because it's not in 4K. <laughs> Maybe. And they probably yeah. don't want us to pay the money. Probably. They, they can change. They, you saw what they did to the get back footage. They can make anything look good these days. No, I didn't see what happened. Well, they took the old footage. You know, the, you know, oh, from, oh, yeah. Oh, from Get Back. I was thinking Get Out. Oh, no, no. Get no, Back yeah, with the Beatles. Oh, get Out. Also great. <laughs> Two different shows. But yeah, somehow P- Peter Jackson makes it look like they filmed that today. I mean, that's how good. Yes. Yeah. You, I was thinking Get Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is different, but uh, Yoko Ono is just as scary. <laughs> how about that she's sitting with the Beatles? It's like. Go sit on the side with the Harry Krishna guy. Leave these four guys alone. There was a meme with her from that show. It was like every girlfriend at every open mic. (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) And you can see that the guys don't even acknowledge. There's no point to even bring it up. Like they've already been there with John. There's a reason why they hadn't spoken for all that time before they come back for that. Because clearly John does not care. But these are the Beatles, bitch. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Too funny. Let's talk about your uh, way after school special, which is great. Sure. Oh, I, you know, before I forget, I from your, I meant to mention earlier, the Jay Leno set, that first set, the shoot a pilot routine. One of my favorite jokes. So funny. I 
And it's ex- it was extra funny listening to it today because we just started rewatching The Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah. And so you hit on every trope from the, like, uh, like mob. <laughs> it was so hot back then. Like, and I was trying to get David Chase's attention in the worst way. Um, I was trying so hard, so hard. Cause you know, I mean, that was like Jay said, Oh, what about the Sopranos? Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> so, all right. So also on prime, we talked about Amazon prime being your best friend, the way after school special. How, how do, yes. What goes into putting together like you shot this at your old high school and like what, what yeah. goes into putting together uh, like the whole process of putting together a Well, special? that was tough because I had to put my own money up for it because at the time Netflix had my finding the funny special and they were willing to give me another special, but it had to be done again formulaically. They wanted to do it at a theater. Well, first they said you could do what you want and then they changed their mind. They got a new president or whatever. And they said, all right, we still want to do your special, but uh, how about let's go over to this theater or this theater. And, you know, they're going to march six comics through that theater that weekend and get six specials. That's what they're doing. And I was just like, I've already talked to these people because I went, my father got inducted in the Ohio Football Hall of Fame. My old vice principal was there at that thing. I talked to him. He talked to the uh, superintendent. The superintendent was excited because the idea is that, look, no one from my little town had ever been on TV. My guidance counselor literally told me it could never happen. I said, let me have all of the kids in the high school work with me, work with the professionals. We'll bring them in. They can learn about it. I'll establish a scholarship and we'll put the whole town on TV. So everybody was excited. But then Netflix pulled out of my special. And then I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Because now I got all these kids are excited. They want to do it. So I had to put my own money up on it, which if I would have known 2020 was coming, (laughs) I don't know if I'd help people out. But that was just, it was a love offering because also people came up like my friend, my whole life since I was four years old, his family took care of the catering for me, for my crew. I got a crew that had just graduated from film school. So they were super excited. And I was really liberal with uh, executive producer credits. And by the time, uh, you know, I I had friends of mine that were friends of mine. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Friends of mine who grew up to be cops. They did security for me. The whole town really helped. And so we shot it. And then it took a lot of money to get it edited, which a very good friend helped me with that too, you know, just as a, as a complete love offering. But that, when you're asking for a favor, it takes a while. So it took almost a year to get edited. And then what am I going to do with it? Because also by the time that's finished now, Netflix is no longer acquiring specials because when they said, okay, go shoot it on your own and we'll buy it from you. Now they're saying, no, we only want to do things that we created. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Then my buddy, Larry, the cable guy came on and said, hey, I got a label. What do you have? And I'm like, I have this whole special. Be the EP and we'll sell it. And that's how, how it got to Prime. And that's it. Awesome. Well, good for Larry. Yeah. Good, uh, good to have friends, right? Little, It all fell into place. And then his manager became my manager. And shortly thereafter, everything that I lost was restored, which was great because I had went through a real humbling thing. So I had fallen in love with comedy again because I knew how much I needed it and loved it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a great special. Everyone needs to stop Thank what you. they're doing now that we're almost over with this conversation and go listen to an hour 
of Tammy on Amazon Prime. I love the the Amish jokes and the Jaws jokes. (laughs) By the way, I have spoken about the Amish people on every single special from my very first like a half hour premium blend to that one to this new hour that I'm preparing. So I think I'm going to when it's when the new hour comes out, I'm going to cut them all together and I'll probably have like a half hour on Amish people. It'll be fun. (laughs) Uh, It's so awesome. I appreciate you hanging out with me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. For those people who don't know, I'm at my mother's because apparently a tree fell down in my neighborhood and there's they're going crazy cutting trees down in front of my house today. <laughs> oh my God, I had a tree. I was We back up to Commons. So like, you know, there's like 15 feet before the main road. Oh, sure, sure, sure. We were driving out of the sub. I turn. I'm like, Robin, my wife. I'm like, Robin, look, that tree fell, but it fell the other way. So if it had fallen towards my house, it probably would have smashed right through my fence. I'm like, oh my goodness, because we've had some Isn't wind. Isn't crazy? We've had some wind lately. I'm lucky that I have electricity right now, but by the time I get home, I might not, because usually that's what happens. Like they cut your stuff down and then you lose power for a while. Then I'll probably have to call them when I get home. <laughs> but I left because of the, I didn't want you to hear the, no, I know. appreciate that. One Here we only had one one quick ring on the phone. Yeah, not, well, I did take her batteries. It was good out. to hear a landline. I'm sure, seven hundred other people called her. It was good. Uh, it was good to hear a landline. Forgot what they sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> so, where can people keep up with you on the social medias? Definitely Twitter. I love Facebook. For me, that's where my demographic is. Instagram. I just started Instagram this year, paying attention because like I just couldn't do it. People are like, do Snapchat, do TikTok. I'm like, I can't do this much content on everything. So I just do those three and that's what I do. I did start a new series that I think might work. I've only done a week's worth, but it's um, You Forgot the Card, which is like the card that is on flowers. You know how when oh, sure. you get a, a thing of flowers, even a man or an arrangement and you're like, there's no card. They forgot the card. So it's just little fun things, you know, that are pissing people off and making people laugh at the same time. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's cute. We'll see how long I can keep it up. And here's to a crushing 2022 for you. Your mouth to God's ears. Let's hope so. Did I not cross my fingers? I just did like this. (laughs) Well, that's 2022. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. All right. How amazing was Tammy Pescatelli? Head over to Amazon Prime right now. If you have Amazon Prime, check out Tammy's special, the Way After School special, and a bunch of other comedy performances as well. So there's plenty of Tammy Pescatelli in your future. And if she comes to your town, definitely get a ticket and go see Tammy live. She is a treat and a wonderful, wonderful human being. Well, with the interview over, it's now time to turn to our trending hashtag. That's right. Our weekly trending hashtag from the family of games at hashtag roundup. Download the free, always free hashtag roundup app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Be notified every time a game goes live. Tweet along with us at hashtag roundup. And one day, one of your tweets may show up on an episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. As always, I'll read the tweets and I'll retweet these tweets at Jeff Dewaskin Show on Twitter. Go find them, show them some love, give them a follow, give them a like, give them a retweet. You know the drill. This week's hashtag is a special one. 
This week's hashtag is hashtag add a comedian to a movie. And guess who the host was of that game? Usually it's a weekly game, but this one was a guest game. And our host for hashtag add a comedian to a movie was Tammy Pescatelli herself. That's right. Tammy hosted this chart topping hashtag with hashtag roundup. So it's my honor now to read to you a few of the amazing submissions. And there were a lot. So here we go. Here are some hashtag add a comedian to a movie. Ford versus Adam Ferreira. John Heffron Wick. And don't miss John Heffron in episode 77 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show. Jack Black Panther. Burr after reading. Right Nights. The Good, the Bad, and the DL Hughley. Kapatch Adams. Are you enjoying these hashtag add a comedian to a movie tweets? There's a lot more. The ultimate mashup of comedians and movies smooshed together to make hashtag add a comedian to a movie of Dyson Men. Benny Hills Have Eyes, The Princess McBride, Bluestein Velvet, Steve Bluestein. Check out Steve Bluestein in episode 61 of Live from Detroit, The Jeff Duoskin Show. And now back to the tweets. The Letterman Always Rings Twice, How the Groucho Stole Christmas, Norton Here's a Who, The Polly Shank Redemption, Olympus Has Fallen, Get Martin Shorty, Dennis Miller's Crossing, Educating Rita Rudner, WC Fields of Dreams. These are some amazing hashtag add a comedian to a movie tweets. Every which way but Lenny Bruce, Bernie Mac and me, John Candyman, the Carol Kane Mutiny, the Michelle Wolf of Wall Street, dude, where's my Carl Reiner, Martin Lawrence of Arabia, Tammy Pescatully, oh, someone referenced the guest of this episode, and let's keep going, the wrath of Madeline Kahn, they call me Lenny Bruce, Shecky Greenbook, G.I. Jane Curtin, what about Bobcat Goldwaite, a bridge to Farley, Star Trek II, the wrath of Madeline Kahn, Oh, Rickles in Time, Howie Mandela. What about Bob Saget? The Hunt for Red Buttons. Brett Ernst Goes to Jail. Brett Ernst Saves Christmas. Brett Ernst Goes to Camp. Check out Brett Ernst in episode 42 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show. After the Red Fox. That was submitted by Mark Hamill. He didn't use the hashtag, but I'll let it go. And the final hashtag add a comedian to a movie tweet to Ali Wong. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. Oh, all right. Thanks to all those amazing tweeters. That's a lot of verifieds in there as well. That was exciting. All right, don't forget, they're all at at Jeff Duoskin Show on Twitter. Retweet them. Show them some love. One day your tweets will show up and they'll do the same for you. Well, here we are at the end of another episode. Episode 96 is come and gone. Episode 100 is just around the corner. I'm really excited for that milestone. I want to thank again my guests for this episode. Episode 96, Tammy Pescatelli. It was amazing catching up with Tammy. And of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show and we'll see you next time.